Okay, here we go. The Pen and Maggie Show. He's about to get crazy and wild. Stay for a while. Don't touch your radio the dial. The Pen and Show. Kicking it back. Sports talk. Listen to that and stay tuned for some giggles and last go. <laughs> if you want to fight against the country, you need an F-15. You need a, something a little more than a gun. No, I'm not joking. Think about this. Think about the rationale we use. <laughs> Welcome to the Planet Mikey Show. It's the Planet Mikey Podcast, the award-winning podcast, of course, from hell. Podcast. <laughs> this today sends Ben Kitchen, who is currently away seeking a rewarding career in the broadcast industry. Hey, by the way, do you like the red Joe Biden lighting we have in the studio yeah, it's today? It's pretty scaring me. Yep. I can't comment on the position that Ben is applying for, by the way, uh, but I do know that he's ha- he did have two pamphlets in his briefcase last week. One was uh, titled, How to Effectively Kiss the Asses of Future Bosses, Yeah. written by uh, future mobster Joey Brownnose Zarbano, and another pamphlet by Mike Mutnansky called The Art of the Reach-Around, the forward was written by Kirk Minahan, and so he's going to probably meet with some success down there wherever he's looking for a job. Where is he uh, Where is he in Cuba? Yeah, I think it is Cuba. Bill Smith is here, as always, in charge of operations here at the Pelham Island Studios in Sudbury, Massachusetts, where our motto is... My name is Bill Smith. <laughs> that's not my motto. No, that's not the motto. What's the motto? Oh, I know the motto. Yes, hold on. Yeah, hold on. the motto of the studio. We have a... F- Everybody's entitled to be an idiot. There you go. <laughs> Uh, we're happy to be sponsored by my dear friends at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, Dr. Matthew Lepresti and Dr. Robert Leonard and Dr. Mary Lepresti, now on the staff as well. Amazing experts in the field of permanent hair restoration. Uh, they've done work on my head, of course, and look at my hair. It's Magnificent. flowing and oh, glowing. Uh, Wes Welker, they've done Dave Portnoy, Brian Scalabrini, uh, both Hardy and Toucher from the Sports Hub, the actor Kevin Chapman. Christian Fourier, yes, and me. HairDR.com is their website, and they are the very best. I want to say this, too. This is a very important announcement. All right, go on. Stand by. Uh, they have now uh, a thing called hair follicle banking. Now, you say, what is that? Well, it involves harvesting the high-quality follicular units with the goal of cloning them and re-injecting them into the scalp. This is the modern technology of how they replace hair. They don't have to take them. They just they clone them, and then you got all the hair you want. It's a beautiful thing. Leonard Hair Transplants, one of nine practices in the entire world, Smitty, uh, that are capable... Uh, to offer hair follicle banking. And the only one in New England, the only practice in New England to give you this. Now, the banking, what does it do? Let self-replicate? You, well, yes. You, you can bank your hair follicles and clone them, and, and it's perfect. It's the perfect uh, result for aging hair. You can get a free consultation anytime with Dr. Lepresti to see if hair banking and hair cloning is right for you. Remember, there are five offices in New England including Warwick, Rhode Island, Boston, Braintree, and Newton Center, Massachusetts, and Salem, New Hampshire. Call 1-800-GET-HAIR, get your free consultation, or go to HairDR.com, and there's a picture of me there, and it's really, really the best picture of me ever. Now, you sound like a professional doing that Isn't commercial. Isn't that something else, though? That's very good. Well, that's a, it's all great, and these guys are the very best. There's no question. 1-800-GET-HAIR. Now, today, we have a very special guest. Now, this is a guest who's been with us before. And he will hopefully be with us many, many times in the future. He's a man who recently had an adventure. We're talking about William Francis Lee, better known as Bill Spaceman Lee. Uh, Bill, how are you? How are you feeling? 
Well, I just set a record. I'm the shortest dead man on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, what? I, I, came, I came back quicker than anybody else. Rich, so you're talking about what happened on the Savannah Bananas field uh, down there. You're warming up for a game, and then tell us what happened after that. I, well, I threw a changeup, and I remember it was a strike, and the ball was coming back to me, and I caught it. And as I caught it, I was going to the ground. I got lightheaded, dizzy. I passed out. And that's the last thing I remember until uh, they were slapping me and sitting me up and asking me questions. And I knew the answers, which was strange because <laughs> I usually, I, you know, I, I, got, I sat up and uh, stood up and the crowd applauded and I walked and I was walked to an ambulance. On you your, know, I'm going, well, on your own I power. Going to an ambulance. See, I didn't even know it. Wow, that's that's unbelievable. Now, first of all, the world got very frightened, but people love you, and there's millions of them out there. They were texting me, tweeting me, what's going on with Bill? What's going on with Bill? Now, I couldn't get in touch with you, obviously. You were going through whatever, hospital visits or tests or whatever, and, and everybody was freaking out. And I'm sure the staff it, of, the, of the Bananas were freaking out too, right? Everybody. They were all praying at second base, and when I found out about it later that evening, I, I talked to him. I said, I'm glad you were at second base because that's where most of my outs occurred, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I, I always pitched out of a stretch. I was in trouble. I threw a lot of double play balls, so they were huddled around second base. If Denny Doyle had been there, we would have won the World Series. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> and now, now, so what is your prognosis now? I mean, what do the doctors tell you about, you know, you're okay, you're going to pitch again, and all kinds of stuff like that? Well, my family flew in, they had a debate, and they, the doctors, three of them, put their heads together, and they did a myriad of tests, nuclear, this, stress test. They gave me every test, you know, and they said, Bill, we've come to the conclusion that your heart's wearing down. And I looked at him. I said, I'm 75. Doesn't everybody's heart wear down? A little bit. <laughs> you know. And they, they looked at each other and kind of went, well, you know, yours is different. And I go, yeah, no kidding. No shit. It's different. <laughs> you know, I went down. I got up. And uh, seven days later, I was throwing out the first pitch of the Savannah Bananas game. Actually, I was five days later. And uh, here I am. They put a pacemaker in me and a jump starter. I have a, something in the winter that no one else has. If your Prius breaks down, I can actually start your car in the winter. <laughs> That's good, especially if you're in California where they're going to demand that you don't have a gas-driven vehicle. What do you think of that, by the way? But Not to get into politics, but what do you well, think of their saying? If, if they start hacking the way I think they're hacking and all these weird phone calls I'm getting and all the magical things that have happened to me the last 14 days, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to be banking on saving a little bit of gasoline and having a 57 Chevy because <laughs> I may be the only one to be able to drive when they drop that nuclear device and all your little chips in your car just melt. Well, yeah, and not, you know what's weird uh, about what's going on out there now? They say, "Oh, well, everybody got has to get an electric car," and then they're saying, "Well, we're gonna, we're going to have a blackout for the whole state, so don't charge your electric cars." I mean, it's kind of like a, a dichotomy. Catch twenty-two, they yeah. call it. Catch twenty-two. Yeah, you know? yeah. You're going to save the planet. You know, all you got to do is have. It's it's weird. Just have less children. You know, we're not making better children as it is right now. I think this planet. <laughs> totally overpopulated you know robots are going to be doing everything for us what are they going to run on you know what i mean you you, you saw you know uh, isaac asinoff brave new world and everything it's 
We're, you know, you've got things that mow your lawn. You've got things that do your house. You've got to do things that do everything, you know. It's, uh, yep. We're in a weird future. You know, Nikola Tesla had it best. He could harness the spin of the earth. And he's the one who really, you know, I believe that this guy uh, for Tesla will save our problems. I think he's smart enough. Elon Musk. And, yeah, Elon Musk. I think he's some kind of smart and uh, technology always bails us out. So let's uh, let's just save the water, slow down, don't use your devices. You know, you, Yogi Berra said it best. You can't hit, hit and think at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that it's funny because I got this 20 questions for Spaceman yeah, thing yeah. here. And one of my questions was, I'm going to go to that one first, even though it's the last one on my list. What was uh, your favorite either Yogi Berra or Casey Stengel quote? Wow. When you come to the fork in the road, take it. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good. He, he, Yogi said, uh, oh, Toots Shores? Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Exactly. He was a maitre d' at another restaurant. He was referring to the one he was working at. And then what else did he say? He said, uh, what time does the 5 o'clock bus leave? <laughs> and I like, how about when he was inducted in the Hall of Fame, he gets up there. The first thing he says is, I want to thank everybody who made this day necessary. <laughs> it's like beautiful. The guy was precious. He was precious. He would never have been allowed to play today. You know, he was a bad ball hitter. Sure. He was short. He was squatty. You know, he was, uh, it, it just developed into the most lovable man on the planet That's Earth. Right. And, uh, big teddy bear. You know, it's amazing that, uh, you know, it's, for the brief moment I was gone, Everybody was really upset. I can't believe the outpouring I heard and stuff. And and then, but the best comment was from a guy. You know, Bill Lee's the smartest man on the planet. He goes on. He he goes down at a ballpark on first responders night. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And then it was a it was a stadium loaded with first responders, right? Fire yeah. EMTs, all those guys. Yeah, and my catcher Wolf, who was goes in to pitch after me, he's the one who throws. From uh, Perfidio Perez, man with a hundred moves, he is an amazing man, and he's a paramedic in Oklahoma. He was the first to get to me. He sprinted right to me. <laughs> he caught my head. He checked my pulse. He said I was still breathing and still and still uh, had a pulse and everything like that. And next thing you know, these three three hundred pounders from uh, what was the name of it? Uh, Thunderbolt, Georgia. It used to be called Warsaw. It's a suburb just east of Savannah on the way to Tybee Island. It's called Thunderbolt. And they jumped on me, and they just beat the living shit out of me. To wake you up, to get to re- to revive you. Yeah, my shifts and everything else. Then they put the fucking electrodes on me, the paddles. <laughs> and I don't know if it fired the first time because I was still had I was still had a rhythm. It only checks you when you're out of rhythm. And it may not have fired. They thought it did. They hit me a second time. They said it fired. I don't know. I just think I woke up anyway because I have done this before. <laughs> I, hit a, I hit a ground ball the first base in a ball game on a Sunday after I was dehydrated, yeah. hungover, and having a difficult time. And I started and stopped, got dizzy, fell down the exact same way, woke up on the first baseline with the umpire standing over me, 
saying, Bill, what happened? Did you pull a muscle? I said, no, I got dizzy. And the umpire took his mask off, and he goes, how would you know? <laughs> you know the guy who hit the triple and woke up on third base. That's just, you know what, that's unbelievable. First of all, the guy that ran out and got to you first, Wolf, is that you said his name is? Wolf? Yeah. You, don't you wish you had him on the team when you were uh, involved with the Yankees in the brawl with Nettles? He could have got. Oh, I wish I had just got rid of my glove. I, I was so naive. That, that I didn't think it was going to be that bad. I thought it would just be a slight altercation. Yeah. And then everybody came in fast and furious. And I grabbed out of Velez. You can see pictures of me. I still had the glove on my right hand. Yeah. And that caused me my problems. To not then be able again, to, yeah. I, I was talking to someone this morning, and they said, you know, if you'd been traded instead of Sparky Lyle, you probably would have won 17 games. For 15 years, and you'd be in the Hall of Fame. For the Yankees. <laughs> For the Yankees, yeah. Because oh, they started playing better after that. I would have been on their team instead of the Red Sox. Yeah, Sparkle, we wouldn't have had to deal with Danny Cater. Yeah. Yes, you wouldn't have. You could have kept Sparky Lyle. You would have had me. You know, But, you know, we should have won it in 72. We should have won it in 75. We should have won it in 74. You know, but they had Freddie Lynn. And Jim Rice, and they didn't play him. That's how stupid the Red Sox are. Well, plus the Yankees went to meet them in 76, and they after they injured you and uh, you know uh, in Yankee Stadium, and then uh, they yep. got swept by the same team that the Red Sox took to seven. They got swept by the big red machine in four, those Yankees. So we know the better team was. All right, now here's a question for you. Jonathan Papelbon is now uh, on the uh, – the Savannah Bananas. Uh, how's, yeah. How does he fit in with that particular group there? He is a banana. He loves to pitch in women's clothing. You know, <laughs> he's definitely great. He's, uh, he's all over the place. He doesn't throw a lot of strikes. He gets you nervous. He's like uh, the vulture that used to pitch for the L.A. Dodgers. Oh, Phil, Phil uh, Regan. Phil Regan. He's, he's turns into Ray. He goes in. He gives up the tie and run. And then goes out and wins it in the last inning. And then the next day, he wins it in the extra innings. I threw out the first pitch on the last game of the, of the year. And he threw the last pitch. I threw one pitch. He came in, threw one pitch, got a ground ball out. And he's out of the inning. We win. So both of us threw a total of two pitches. <laughs> I got the start, and he got the win. That's good. All right. This, this is that's question three. We've done. We're, we're moving on to New York. Okay, New York City. You mm-hmm. talked about what happened uh, down there in the brawl, and the Yankee fans didn't like you, and the Yankee players didn't like you, and you hated the Yankees. What do you think of that city now, with all the crime and the? You know, what's what's going on in that city, and, and do you get shit now when you visit there still to this day? No, I avoid it. I go all the way out around New Jersey. I take Interstate 81, 88 to Binghamton. I go Bingham 81 goes down to Harrisburg. Harrisburg, it goes around and down the Appalachian Mountains. That's how wide a berth I give to the state <laughs> of New York. <laughs> Probably the healthy thing for you and for and for everybody. <laughs> How about California? No, that's a, you're a West Coast guy. You're born in Burbank, California. Oh, what a mess! And you have h- homes out what there. Yeah, what's going it's on with that thinking, state? It's depressed. Uh, there's so many homeless people in Oakland and LA. You know, it's tough. And now it's 113 in Sacramento. They had children in school dying today from heat exhaustion. You know, it it was written. A book was written by T. C. Boyle, Conosahara Boyle, out of out of USC. And it was called Friends of the Earth, and it was about the heat of California, the wind, 
the fires, all the Chardonnay grapes die. It was 15 years ago he wrote the book, and it's here right now. It is. You can't get a good glass of white wine there anymore. Wow, that's, and that's the, one of the biggest tragedies. That, and of course, in the fecal matter on the sidewalks in San Francisco and, and L.A., right? The homeless, oh the homeless God, can, it's in campus. It's our whole society. And it's cell phones. It's cell phones, and people are addicted to their things. You either got to go one way, or and there's a lot of people that don't have access. And it's going to be a a weird situation when we're, when we get some global warming. And they they say that there's going to be 10 inches of sea rise in the next two years. That's going to inundate. If there's a hurricane comes in like Sandy, uh, New Jersey coastline is gone. New York City is freaking hammered. Wow. If it comes up the gut, in fact, there's Earl out there right now spinning around. Earl could come in and kick the living shit out of it. <laughs> All I can say is I'm jealous. I wish I could get 10 inches of sea rise. Uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you, it's, it's weird because the fact is, you know, you just you just don't know what you're going to get. If it comes in on a full moon, you know, it's going to be tough. It is. Now, uh, the just I'm going to touch bare, briefly on, on the state of baseball as it exists today because, you know, one of my big pet peeves in life is the fact that the complete game is becoming extinct. Uh, I think the, the team that has the most complete games in Major League Baseball this year has four. And, you know, in the old days, uh, getting four by one guy, sometimes that was a month. You know, for Bob Gibson, that was just uh, – one month of pitching. What's up with the pitcher fragility, especially on the Red Sox? I mean, they can't seem to keep any of their pitchers healthy. And are they paying too much for these guys? They don't pitch anymore. They throw. They don't decelerate properly. They don't drop and drop. It hurt. You just have to go back to the Tom Seaver, Nolan Ryan, you know, Bob Gibson, uh, big lefty you know, out of Philadelphia. He, he won. Carlton. 25 games on a team that only won 55. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. Carlton, you just don't get durability anymore because they don't pitch, they throw. But they're afraid of ruining their arms and shortening their career. I mean, you're 75, you still pitch. You you completed your games. You pitched a lot of innings. You pitched all over the country, all over the world, and you just kept throwing and throwing and throwing. You didn't have arm problems. No, I have more complete games than Satchel Page. I have more complete games probably than anyone that's ever played. I've got more wins at 60. I've got two wins that's in my 70s. You know, no one, and the best thing is, I went down on a Friday. I came out on a Sunday. They rolled the stone away from my room. <laughs> I saw my shadow, and we got three more weeks of freaking summer. You saw your shadow. All right, who's going to? All right, now I want you to name, go back in time, use your memory bank here. Name one hitter who who owned you, uh, the, the hitter that owned you the most when they were hitting against you, and then name the hitter that you owned the most. Bill, Bill Matlock owned me. He did. The, the right-handed hitting, uh, the third yeah. baseman for the Pirates and Cubs, right? Yeah, he owned me, and the scariest hitter I ever faced was Frank Howard, you know. Yeah. I remember Frank Howard hit a ball up the middle by me, and uh, uh, the big left fielder for the Detroit Tigers. Willie Horton. Willie Horton scared the living shit out of me. Frank <laughs> Howard, you know, was a monster, and he didn't want to throw him outside because I said, I'll throw him inside, let let uh, Rico Petroselli take the brunt of the action. You know, you <laughs> right. didn't want him hitting the ball at the middle. But, uh, I, you know, I didn't own too many people, 
But what I did was I enticed them to hit double plays. And that's, if you look at my record, I probably had more force outs at second than anybody in the history of the Red Sox. Yeah, get, get him to hit the pitch you want him to hit where you want him to hit it. Exactly. I wanted the ball on the ground. I wanted multiple outs with one pitch. All right, let's go off the beaten path here for a second. Uh, I asked one time, I asked, uh, 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 it was Sam Gash of the, of the New England Patriots, the fullback. I asked him on TV, on my old TV show, Spaceman, I said, who farts the most in the, in the Patriots locker room or at the team meetings? And he said, oh, he didn't even hesitate. He said, oh, Ben Coates. <laughs> I mean, he just said it so fast, I knew it was a truthful answer. Who farted the most in the Red Sox locker room? That's a great question. I would say Tion, because he ate rice and beans almost every day. It, it has to be Hispanic, and it has to be someone that's on a bean diet, a legume diet, or a lot of vegetables. You know, yeah. meat eaters don't fart. He go, he go oh, that's good for you, man. I don't no worry. It's good for you. It's got, it's got vitamins. Uh, it's a roast con pollo. A roast con pollo. Chicken with rice, man. Here's some. Oh, oh that's good for uh, Okay, now, uh, Bernie Carbo in 97. I had a guy on Twitter harassing me today talking about uh, – I, I had retweeted a thing, uh, the GBH story of you uh, uh, back in 1978. And then he said that, that Bill Lee, you know, being in Zimmer's doghouse and, and that you mailed it in. Uh, after you were ten and three or ten and four, and then you had a streak of bad luck at the second half of 1970. He accused you of mailing it in. I went back and looked at those losses. You had a mm-hmm. two to one, a two to one nine inning loss. You had another complete game where you gave up two earned runs. Uh, you had you four of those starts. You you, you had an ERA of two point seven eight. I don't call that mailing it in. Would you like to defend no. yourself? Oh, my God. Well, hey, statistics, statistics, damn statistics, you know. <laughs> the thing about it is I was in every ball game, you know what I mean, and everything, the sun don't shine on the same dog's ass every day. But the greatest article <laughs> ever written to me was a guy out of the Hartford Current. Yeah. His name was Bill Lee, and he said, yes. Zim, Lee is no quitter. Wow. Look it up. With malice toward none was his column. Yeah, Bill Lee. Towards none, he loved me, and not because it was Bill Lee, but because I did not mail it in. No, I was arguing with the guy. I hand deliver. I come up to your door. I don't call. I show up at your door. Exactly. Good. Well, I'm going to let the guy know. Maybe I'll just send him a clip of this. Find out where he lives. I'll send the guy over there. You know, I'll send Albert DeSalvo. Albert. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. He'll strangle. Hey, uh, here's my next question for you. Was who, if anybody, left-handers-wise now, was better than Koufax? Wow. Longevity-wise, Spawn, for sure. Yep. You know, three, uh, there three. were a lot of guys that had the Lefty Grove. Uh, Rube Waddell in his prime, you know. Rube Waddell had some amazing statistics. Carl Hubble. You mentioned was the Steve Carlton. Yeah. left-handed. But Koufax was the gutsiest, the toughest. He had the most pain. He had the most injury. He had the most arthritis. The guy was, I mean, he was a sufferer that went out there and played hurt. And you got to give him credit for that. Yeah, and his stuff, as as Doug Camilli down at Fantasy Camp in Winter Haven told me, I said, Doug, you caught one of Koufax's no-hitters. And Doug said, 
That was the easiest thing I ever did. I said, why? <laughs> he said, well, all I did was put down a number one or a number two. They couldn't hit neither of them. You know? <laughs> no, he was, I'm telling you, the greatest thing, they auctioned off a lot of his stuff, and one of them was his jersey. It had so much capsicum in it that the guy, the boy that won the auction put it on. He had second and third degree burns, had to go to the hospital. <laughs> Insanity. I got two. I got three more questions for you, but first I have to mention this because this is really important. It's one yeah. of our proud sponsors. You know that's why that's how we make the big bucks. Uh, as you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find people you want to talk to about the job faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million professionals. Then add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, which spreads the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions makes it easy to focus on the right candidates for the job you have open. It's small businesses rating LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires against leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs... Helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. You know, every week, 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job free at linkedin.com slash Mikey. That's linkedin.com slash Mikey to post your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. Bill I need that service. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Billy has a job with the Savannah Bananas, which I is. Need, a, yeah, no, I, I'm fine with the bananas. I need someone to come up here and sand and paint my house. They told me I wasn't allowed to raise my right hand above my head, it, and I said, "Well, at least I don't have to go to court for two months." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're just glad you're fine. You know, I, I, I was just freaking out. I was real worried. I, I called you like four times, and you finally called me back from the from my the cell phone disappeared for fourteen hundred miles. I had the oil change in Destin, Florida, actually in Niceville, Florida, at my son's place. And guess what? The mechanic lifted up the hood, and there was my cell phone. In your hood? It was right there underneath. It was my wife's cell phone right where the windshield wipers went back and forth. The damn phone went for a 1,400-mile, you know, three-lightning-storm trip. In your engine? In Right there on top. It was outside. It was right where the wheel, the well is, oh. where you're... The Prius were the two windshield wipers. It went for a fourteen hundred mile trip. Never fell out. That'll teach you. I remember when you when you even have a cell phone. Uh, how often in your in your career did you shake off Carlton Fisk? How often? How many times per game? So much times I had Parkinson's disease in seventy eight. <laughs> did did he did he not select the same pitches you were thinking of? Is that I didn't shake him off. I just threw the goddamn ball because I knew it was going to be hit anyway. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, it didn't matter. He, I threw strikes. I could change speeds. I threw more change ups off of fastball counts than he ever saw. You know, and yeah. that's basically. Uh, and you know, I I. Basically, the breaking ball is the one I had to go to. I didn't want to throw anything hard on the opposite side of the plate where he's expecting it. But my last few games, I don't even have called signs. I just throw what I want because I want the ball put in play. Yeah. Well, you're shaking off. I mean, there's some people that analyze that, shaking off. Oh, there's something with the rhythm between these two. They're not on the same page. But I remember the game where Nolan Ryan had a no-hitter. He had seven anyway, but he, he would have had eight if it weren't for this one play. He was with the Texas Rangers, and Yvonne Rodriguez was his catcher. And Nolan gave up a hit in the ninth inning with two outs. 
And afterwards, Rodriguez is telling the press, I, I told him, to, you know, I gave him number one. He threw number two. He said, base hit. You know, it's like t- trying to shift the blame. And then they went to Nolan. They said, Yvonne says you shook him off on that base hit in the ninth inning. And Nolan goes, yeah, he goes, I, I, I did. He, but that wasn't the first time I shook him off all night. <laughs> Which is yeah, a great no. answer. Two pudges. You just brought them up simultaneously. That's right. That's pudge, pudge and pudge. All right. Now, uh, Haywood Sullivan, what Dick Raditz used to say when he'd come back from the men's room at WEI, he'd say, I just took a shit, looked like a statue of Haywood Sullivan. Uh, <laughs> I know. Was, was, Haywood was, was a stand-up guy from Montgomery, but he was dumb as a post. And he made some mistakes with that Red Sox roster, did he not? Did he not? I'm telling you, yeah. He... Uh, Ian McHale and, uh, you know, they just, uh, Jim Fanning, there were some executives that I thought, you know, didn't have, weren't the smartest in the bunch. I mean, anybody that gives Zimmer the job, how dumb is that? Yeah, well, right. (laughs) You have a point. Zimmer was not, uh, he did not make the most of, uh, he was a company man. He was a gambler. He bet on everything. He'd bet if two flies were going to land on a turd. <laughs> and usually win. Now, I want to ask you, though, with the Bernie Carbo trade in 78, that pissed you off. You, you, and I, obviously, there's quite obviously. Big... It pissed me off. God damn it. You know, I mean, and Jim Fanning got rid of Rodney Scott, and we went down the shitter four years later, two games later and stuff. You just, you just don't get rid of defensive players, you know, for the sake of offense. You stay with the defense, the pitching, and you just learn how to win ball games without the home run. The basics. But, uh, you know, I witnessed. You, you, you love Bernie Carbo. Yeah. I saved Bernie Carbo's life. He says so in his book, Saving Bernie Carbo. You saved his life? Yeah. He called me and said he was going to commit suicide in his, in his garage in Detroit. And I asked him, what caliber ammunition are you using? <laughs> you did? <laughs> And I said, before you shoot yourself, do me one favor and call Fergie and Jenkins. So then he went right down the line. He called Fergie and everybody, and next thing you know, he's in rehab and he's all right. They talked him out of it. God bless him. Yeah, because he's a yeah, he, hey, he's a wonderful guy. Dying's easy, you know. Rehabbing's tough. That's, that's exactly right. Now, my final question for you is this: How old will William Francis Lee be when he makes his final pitch? It, you know, round numbers. Well, they say I got eight years on this battery, depending on how much <laughs> I use it. You know what I mean? That's but I'm great. telling you, the way I went is a great way to go. You know? Did you see anything like when you were to going? Dial it in and throw the last pitch. You know, in the in the eighty and over World Series. You know, and uh, you know, or shot by a husband, <laughs> not a strange husband. <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. Well, my, my favorite, I wanted to ask one more about the quotes. Casey Stengel. Do you have a favorite Casey Stengel quote? Oh, I just, I mean, the man was the best. Uh, look up the Kefauver trial when he gets in there and they ask him about free agency and the, and the reserve clause. And he double talks all the way down the end of the line. And when they asked Mickey Mantle, he got up and he says, well, I'm, I'm Pretty much just in tune with Casey Stingle. So <laughs> it was it was a great speech, and that's the Keefe offer speech in front of the Senate. But 
the best thing is he lived right next door to Rod Dato, and he lived in Glendale. Yeah. And the funny thing about Glendale is there's a park there, Casey Stingle Stadium, and I pitched in it, and my mother was born in Glendale. And the funny thing is, you know, uh, uh, Jackie Robinson, right? Yeah. He was born in Alabama, but he was raised in Pasadena. People don't remember this. He was, they think he's a Californian, but he's not. He was in Pasadena, but he was not allowed to go north of Colorado Street because that was the Glendale border. You know, he could live in Pasadena, but he wasn't allowed to go in Glendale. <laughs> it was a tough town like that. Oh, but, man. Uh, that's Casey Stingle, Rod Dato, and, and Paula Teresa Hunt. That's pretty All Glendaleites. That's good stuff, man. That is good stuff. Well, I uh, I thank you a for for being such a good friend all these years. Yeah. B for for no, coming thanks for being concerned. Trust me. Dying's easy. Comedy's hard. <laughs> it is. You're harder than I've ever been able to conquer. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just let it happen. It's always there on the tip of your tongue. You know, and don't swallow it. It's the <laughs> it's the spaceman, our good buddy Bill Lee, the legend. Uh, good talking to you, man. Stay healthy. Love you guys. Take care. I'll Take see care. You soon. Thanks, Billy. Oh God, he's a nut. He is. Uh, he is a nut. You know, I was going to mention to him too that uh, you know the the hometown stuff, the tie-in he was doing there. You know, Rodato was his uh, his coach when he won the World Series, uh, College World Series mm-hmm. down at USC. And sometimes these things have karmic connections, like Donora, Pennsylvania. You know who was born in Donora, Pennsylvania? I do not. Two guys from Major League Hall of Famers, Stan Musial and Ken Griffey Jr. So you can tell Ken Griffey Jr. from now on if you ever run into him, oh, you're the second best major leaguer ever born in Donora, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Denora, PA. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, uh, and it's true. All right, I got to uh, turn on this machine here. This is what uh, this is how we close these shows, you know. And, and by the way, Ben Kitchen, yeah. if he doesn't ever come back, it'll be sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have this uh, from Joe and Jerry, who always join us musically at the A end. A note of for the show. listeners of this podcast Mike Adams is trying to operate the computer. Yeah, I know. Continue, I know. Mike. But I got the two commercials in, right? You did, you did. So great, we're doing good. Great job on those. Yeah. Joe, Jerry? Joe? Jerry? <laughs> I'm right here, you stupid asshole. Woo, 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 woo. What was that? Ho, 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 ho. You're living in your own private Idaho. Living in your own private Idaho. Oh, on the ground, like a wild potato. At Shaw's. Beware of the pool. The blue, blue, bottomless pool. It leads you straight right through the gate that opens on the moon, Joe. You're living in your own private Idaho. Living in your own private Idaho. Keep over the path, beware the gate. Your own private Idaho. Watch out for the signs. Hidden driveways. Don't let the chlorine in your eyes blind you to the open surprise. And I'll wait for you. At uh, the bottom of the bottomless blue, blue pool, Joe. It's a blue pool. I think I'm going to blow lunch. It's a 12-measure musical break here instrumentally, Joe, so relax your vocal cords. <coughs> You're living in your own private Idaho. 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 
The rivers that roll and the water that flow, you're in Idaho. I kind of don't like this song, Joe. It blows, truth.